Yeah, the dump off's <laughs> pretty big this week. You'd think Philip Rivers is running the reviews. shop for news views and overreactions to all things nfl we're getting down to the tail end of the season now and we're starting to see some people pull ahead and some pull away sorry Steelers. so hey guys we got connor here we got sean and we got ronan hello hello <laughs> how are we getting on lads grand yeah not an awful lot going on here at the moment getting into the, the pre-christmas phase the to update on the tree the cat has made a good start to, to knocking all the bubbles off but it's got a long way to go yet it's uh, upper game i think campaign is mm. underway but it's not fully there yet well, I think part of the problem is that she's got two trees, so she's getting distracted now. Okay, fair enough. <laughs> Divide and conquer. Always thinking one step ahead. Of oh, yeah. a cat, you know. It's a difficult... <laughs> <laughs> and uh, for myself, I'm, I'm heading back, back to Cavan pretty pretty soon. I'm basically going to try and beat the rush by breaking the rules uh, a bit and getting <gasps> back uh, under, 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 the, under the Friday under the Friday regulation when, when everyone can go wherever they want, apparently, yeah, from Friday. So... <laughs> We'll see how that goes. Uh, the numbers haven't got too bad in Ireland since they relaxed things. Uh, hopefully that can continue for another bit. Yeah, yeah, we'll see. I'm kind of guarding to get stuff packed up here, but uh, we'll be hanging around until next week and then heading down on the 23rd. So we're kind of going the opposite, hoping at that point everyone who's gone is already gone. So I suppose we'll hop into the news. COVID-19 as always kicks us off. Uh, positive cases from Miami, Detroit, Houston, Chicago, Pittsburgh, and the LA Rams, but no impact on the schedule. Probably the highest name person there is des bryant who hasn't really been that relevant for a few years now currently playing for baltimore he's complaining because he had to miss a game because of a suspected false positive to be honest overall very little covid impact this week on games pretty successful all round. yeah suck it up des bryant that's all i have to say about that um no i, I wouldn't be blaming covid for him not having the catches he thinks he should be making like. <laughs> i'm sure i'm sure i'm sure that's what he thinks um himself deep down if it wasn't for the COVID he'd be MVP by now yeah yeah do you remember everyone got excited was it last year or two years ago when like he signed with the Saints and then got injured a day into training camp he has he's a he's a talented player but I just don't know I just never made it work yeah and he's he's a couple of years since he's like kind of had a season like that you know it's kind of I'm not sure when they bring in a veteran wide receiver I'm not sure because Des Bryant was famous for kind of more the diva mentality than like the kind of, you know, the, the, the weathered veteran. Yeah, he was kind of an old school type of diva wide receiver. And there's just not as many of those guys anymore for yeah. fairly obvious reasons that they're, well, they're bad for culture, basically. And, and so, you know, camera phones are a thing there. Yes, that was also <laughs> an issue. But yeah, like I think his case is a case where, you know, he had a positive, he's had multiple negative tests since that positive, but under the NFL protocols, I believe he had to be held out 10 days from the time of the uh, oh, original test. Wow. Yeah. For if you get a positive test, I think you can be held out for that long. Um, okay. No, I know that they found the positive, because like, like the Chiefs ones last week were turned around in the space of like two I think hours. this is if, uh, I think in that case, that was an administrative error. So they were happy to say oh, right, that's, right, right, that's right, not real. Enough. Whereas in this case, they, they, they this was a genuine positive test in their a, a opinion. A genuine uh, false positive. Yeah. 
know, it is what it is. And it's, you know, the fact that it says Brian is one player is probably how it is. And like, look, he, he missed the game. He missed that Tuesday night game. And then he missed the Sunday game this week. So he's obviously annoyed because he's trying to make his way back into the NFL. But uh, look, uh, given the fact that the schedule went ahead as planned, despite a lot of criticism out there, I think, you know, the protocols are, are doing the best that they can given the continued complete lack of action on COVID-19 in the United States of America. No, of course. Uh, other big news, Las Vegas have decided to fire their defensive coordinator, Paul Gunther. They allowed 44 points and 456 yards against Indianapolis. Just there on the weekend, gone. Their defense is 30th in points, 25th in yards. They decided to make Rob Marinelli their interim DC. Yeah, like it's not exactly been a great defense, let's be fair. And they have been spending an awful lot of draft capital on there because they've got what? Two first-round defensive linemen, some cornerbacks, I think a linebacker as well. Like They have been investing in the position and just not getting any return. And this is a team that has felt at times like it could be, you know, a wild card, could surprise a couple of teams. But the last couple of weeks, their defense has just looked awful. Yeah, and like all year, that their biggest issue has been the run defense, which, which has just been terrible. But in recent weeks, they've also been exposed in the back end. And yes, yeah, so you have a situation where they've invested a fair amount of draft picks, as you say, into people like Cleland Farrell. And, you know, and they've also paid some money out to people like Lamarcus Joyner uh, and Corey Littleton. But I think when you look at, at the money that's been spent, you know, some are saying that, you know, this is a team that spends a lot of money on the offensive line and on the offense in general and not as much for the defensive line. I think the, the thing that was brought up in, in, in the media was that the backup quarterback, Marcus Mariota, is getting paid than all of the cornerbacks combined. So there's there's a bit of maybe ill will there that maybe it's not the fault of the defensive coordinator. But the reality is, is that given all of these picks, all of these young, talented players, you expect to be better than, you know, 30th, 25th, these types of numbers in terms of, you know, your defensive statistics. Rod Marinelli is an interesting choice. He was obviously in with the Cowboys until recently, and he was pretty effective for a few years there in terms of squeezing you know, some value out, out of some, you know, out of some, what, what, what wasn't necessarily the most talented defense. He tends to be a DC who will run a much more simplified scheme, basically all about execution rather than complexity. And it'll be interesting to see whether he can get anything out of this. But look, uh, the issues on defense are definitely a large reason why they're an issue, but there are many other issues with this team in recent weeks that, that have undermined them. So it kind of feels that this is more of a, a sacrificial lamb than necessarily a, a, a pinpoint attack on what's required to get this Vegas team back on track. Possibly. Like you're looking at, you've got the Chargers, the Dolphins and the Broncos left to play. Like if you win out, you're definitely in the playoffs. If you go two or three, you've got a good chance. Like I suppose you've got to do something in that spot to show that you're going to try and change it because like we said, it is the defense that's holding them back. Yeah, I mean, this feels very much like a, like a panic move. Um, I mean, the defense has been pretty terrible all year, and, and as I'll get into in, in the, the game reviews, I mean, they may as well just not have turned up on Sunday for all the, the good that they did against the Colts. But, I mean, it's this is three games to go, and their season is falling to bits. They've had three terrible performances back-to-back. It feels like they, they felt they had to do something, and this was the, the best something they could do, but it doesn't necessarily... Um, show a lot of joined up thinking you can't it's hard to imagine what an interim dc is going to be able to do in in the last three weeks to turn things around so i mean it makes sense on one level but on another level it does you can sense that it's a panic move that may do more damage um, than it does good going down these last few games yeah so we'll see how that works out for them that's just another spot to keep an eye on for basically when we come to our 
back one day in the firing of the coaches and we're looking for new landing spots, that'll be one that people will, I think, be interested in more so than they would have previously. The Vegas Raiders looking a little bit friskier, let's say, than they have for the last 15 years. Some injury news from Red League. Detroit quarterback Matt Stafford has injured his ribs. He's week to week, but at the moment they were not expecting him to play. Philly have taken another few hits. So uh, Jason Peters is now gone for the season. Jack Driscoll is now gone for the season with an MCL. And Rodney McLeod, ACL, is gone for the season. Uh, wide receiver Debo Samuel for San Francisco is done his hamstring. He's likely gone for the season. And Julio Jones has done his hamstring and is probably gone for the season. We're at that kind of point at the end of the year now that particularly for teams like your Detroit's and probably your Philadelphia's and, and San Fran's as well. Once these injuries start happening at this time of the year, I think people are just going to expect there's no point in bringing them back for a pointless Week 17 game and just let them heal up into next year. Philly, do they have any linemen left? Like, that's two more tackles gone. <laughs> yeah, apparently they, they will find someone. And to be fair, as we'll talk about this week, you know, they've lost their starting offensive line, basically. But maybe if you have the right person behind them, it doesn't make that much of a difference. But yeah, Philly are probably the only team here that still has an outside shot at the playoffs. So all of these are severe injuries. They're definitely not coming back. Um, and so that like, even if they make the playoffs, you know, this, this is another big ho- number of holes for them to fill. fill. In the other case, Matt Stafford, he was described as being in extreme pain after the game against Green Bay due to a pretty nasty looking knock where he kind of folded in on himself. And so look, he's, he's kind of like Philip Rivers. He, he's, really tough and likes playing through the pain but uh you know given their current situation that would uh i don't know if that would be advisable or not but of course you know there's a lot of rumors swirling that that this may be his final year final year in detroit so maybe that he might want to push through that just to kind of keep himself on the uh on the shopping uh line and look debo he pulled his hamstring on the first play and they pulled him and they're basically saying he's gone for the season san francisco don't have much to play for anymore so that's fine and julio look atlanta have been running julio ragged for the last month and he's kind of coming in out of games just not looked himself so i think you know if they're looking towards the future of that team they should have done this ages ago and hopefully they will shut him down and let him heal up and get him back to being the player we expect him to be next year yeah i mean all all these teams are out of the playoffs or out of contention for playoffs so it doesn't really matter um, all that much but i mean yeah if you're if you're fans of these teams these are a lot of good players um, and your teams who have looked pretty bad all season are going to look worse particularly say the lions and the falcons i mean the loss of stafford and jones basically kills any enjoyment and their fans will get out of the rest of their season and on the offensive um, side so not good news for teams who have already had a season of not good news no of course other less serious injuries alex smith has a calf strain he's week to week so they're quite hopeful that he will be playing in week 15 uh, Miami took a couple of hits, so Mike Kosicki, the tight end, has injured his shoulders, so I expect him to miss some time. Devontae Parker has injured his legs, so he's week to week. And Jakeem Grant has injured his hamstring, and he's week to week. So basically, the whole Miami offense. So poor two is going to have a bit of a struggle on his hands, trying to get stuff going with a bunch of no-names at wide receiver and tight end. But, you know, we'll see what they can, see what they can get going. Uh, these are two teams that are in the hunt, Washington Proudly leading their division at the moment, <laughs> and uh, Miami uh, right there in the in the uh, wild card race. So, particularly for Miami, this is a lot to, to to get over. Alex Smith, while he's been playing well, has also he's not kind of a game breaking 
difference uh, if they can get some performance out of Dwayne Haskins, who's actually as the backup. But, you know, they are clearly a better team than one with Smith, but I don't think it's him that makes them. I think it's a more important thing for them to get back uh, the running back. Gibson for Washington. But yeah, like those, those, those are two teams that are going to feel that if those extend into multi-week uh, missing games. I mean, the Dolphins, I mean, it's the problem for them is that they're one game... They essentially have a one-game lead in the wildcard spots, and their last three weeks, the schedule is... I mean, it's pretty tough, all things considered. They have the, the Pats, then the Raiders, and then the Bills. Um, none of those games necessarily easy wins, certainly when you don't have much of an offense. So, I mean, their defense, as we talk about, did look very good at the weekend, and, and it's probably where the strength of that team is. But this is certainly not where the Dolphins... Good, who are good for the first time in you know since the dinosaurs roamed the earth, but this is what not what they wanted in the last three crucial last weeks of the season. And for Washington, I mean, I, I think Haskins he looked okay when he came in, so he might be he might be uh, fine as a replacement. But again, coming down the stretch, maybe you want Smith's experience and um, to guide them into the playoffs in what is a, kind of a, a tight situation in the NFC East. Like Haskins, it's just stupid mistakes. He just can't afford to do them, and even in his brief moments, he made a few questionable decisions because he he, he he makes good throws he looks good and then he does a stupid thing and that's what Alex Smith adds uh, since he's come in it's that he doesn't do those stupid things 100% and uh, finally in crime and punishment what are they up to uh, not felonies this week I well I suppose depends on how performance enhancing the substances <laughs> quarterback AJ Bowie is suspended for six games for PED violations obviously another hit to the Denver backfield stupid but I suppose like I said they're not up to a ton at this stage so it's not going to kill them that he's not going to be on the field at all mm. it's just going to cause them problems if they want to try and play spoiler to some of the other teams who they might see over the next little while like for example as we mentioned the uh, the Raiders who they'll be playing in I think two weeks time I think it filters a little bit into 2021 as well but uh, yeah I don't he hasn't really been playing at the level that he did when he was a pro bowl type player in Jacksonville so I don't know if he's the kind of guy who might be a casualty anyway but we will see in the off season no, of course. And with that, we'll go and have a look at the games from last week. Okay, so first up, we have Baltimore-Cleveland, 47-42. Ah, oh, Sean, this was the one that we all had high hopes for. Lamar, like, 163 yards, touchdown pass, 124 yards and two touchdowns on the ground. Like, that's not the performance you expect to hear out of him when you see the scoreline that looks like this, to be completely honest. Comes back in after getting an IV drip. Tucker drills... A 55-yard field goal to undo two Cleveland comebacks in it. Baker Mayfield looked surprisingly very good. Like, and I mean that in a kind of overperformed what I was expecting. Uh, 366, three touchdowns and interception. And Chubb and Hunt both had great games. I think three touchdowns between them. This was a statement performance for both teams because both needed this win to try and cement themselves. I think I don't view the loss for Cleveland here as a massive shot across them. I think... This was a good performance and a quite a like complete on both sides of the ball performance from Baltimore at times. Cleveland did well. You'd think, you know, if they played this ten times, it would probably split kind of five and five or six and four. It's unfortunate, but it is what it is in Baltimore. Keep their hopes alive going into uh, the last couple of weeks. Yeah, I mean, an absolute heartbreaker uh, for Cleveland. I mean, the, the narrative was lining up. The the Steelers had lost. The, the Browns had the momentum. They were rushing towards the AFC North Championship. They had pulled. They were two touchdowns down this game and had pulled ahead with six minutes left, and they had the, all the momentum, and you could just feel that everything was coming together, and, and the, per the Browns are about to have the perfect end to the season. Uh, and then they just they, they couldn't stop the, the Ravens. I mean, Lamar comes came back off 
the COVID list looking fine. I mean, the stats probably don't do him justice for it. He was very decisive when it mattered. He got he got three touchdowns in, in various um, configurations. Um, he was a great option for the offense to have. The offense, the Ravens' offense, looked far more dynamic than I've seen during a while. This was probably more like the classic Ravens' offense um, of the past few years than the version we've had this year. Um, so for the Ravens' point of view, they keep their playoff hopes alive and they're looking they're looking good and they look like now that they might have the answers going down the stretch. For the for the Browns, I mean, it's it's pick yourself off the floor and go keep going again. They probably only need one win um, from the remaining three uh, to make the playoffs. If they won this one, they basically would have been an absolute lock um, for the playoffs. So this hurts. Again, you can maybe talk a little bit about the psychology of playing these the big teams in their division, Baltimore and Pittsburgh, that those are the teams they've been struggling against this year because they just, whatever, there's some sort of psychological block there. But they came so close and played so well in this game that it must really hurt for them to, to walk out of here with the loss. But their season, far from dead, they're very much still in control um, of their destiny. Yeah, I think it's important here that, you know, they did lose this game ultimately, but they had to come back twice in this game. And they were 14 points down after Baker threw an interception, you're kind of going, oh, classic Browns. And, you know, these kind of zone-blocking, Shanahan-type teams can sometimes struggle when they go into a hole because they rely so much on play action. But to be fair to Baker, he picked on a series of defensive backs who, who were either replacements or hurt and, and, and avoided Marlon Humphreys, really the only, the, the only stud in that secondary at this point. And, and fair play to him. Like, I don't think Baker is playing at kind of the level he was in his rookie year when he kind of excited us all. But he's in a system where he rolls out, he does the play action, he takes his first or second read, or he tucks and runs, or he throws it away. He's playing smart football right now, and he's doing it He's doing it well enough because he has that threat of Chubb and Hunt that there's enough open plays, so he's making these explosive plays and throwing it down field and getting the yards when he, when he can get them. And I think, you know, that's all that they really need and want from Baker at the moment. Maybe he can develop into being closer to the exciting prospect we thought he might be later in his career. But for now, he's regaining his confidence, getting back to being what they hoped he would get um, when they spent a high pick on, on a quarterback there. The offense still completely runs through like Nick Chubb, who dominated the first half, and Kareem Hunt, who dominated the second half. They were just uh, absolutely lights out. They just get yards all the time, and Hunt is obviously a major threat in the receiving game. But like like the game here ultimately does go to Lamar Jackson. Like you saw, you know, like we we talked about earlier in this season on the podcast about oh when are the Ravens going to revert back to like their 2019 offense? When are they going to get the MVP Lamar back? Well, we saw MVP Lamar come back here not only in the first half where he had those mazy runs where he just like made the uh, like the, the Cleveland defense look absolutely ridiculous but then he comes in in the second half after having to go off for an IV drip uh, and not as much of the internet speculated for a big shit um, <laughs> <laughs> but like look he got he got an IV drip because he had we had cramp and he was basically limping off uh, like into the locker room at that point but he comes back onto the field after McSurley uh, gets injured and he he throws a touchdown uh, basically straight away to, to get them back in the lead Cleveland then comes straight back uh, they come straight back and, and get it tied up again uh, but then you know with a minute left in the clock he makes three three throws in a row and he gets them into field goal range and then yeah uh, Justin Tucker um, wins them the game because he's Justin Tucker. Uh, I don't know how you feel about Justin Tucker these days, Connor. I know we had a you had a bit of beef of him back in ah, the day. Ah, still don't like him. Still don't like yeah. him at all. It's far too high the best in the NFL. Like, ah, he's the best kicker in the NFL by a distance. Not by yeah. a distance. <laughs> by fifty-five yards. Um, like the, the best kicker, <laughs> the, the best kicker in the NFL is Koo at the moment. Like, 
Yeah. Definitely. Well, for fantasy, maybe. But, like, look, like, I think for Baltimore, they, they are picking up steam. They obviously need to win out to really guarantee their place in the playoffs because they're a bit behind on, on the actual, you know, wins right now. But if they're playing like this, if Lamar is doing what he did in 2019, then I'd be very afraid to play them uh, in any situation down the stretch. Yeah, and to be honest, both these teams looked exposed enough that they would cause worries for anyone who meets them in the postseason. Your Orleans at Philly, 21-24. to It seems like making a little change of quarterback has given them a shot of life. Hertz went for 167 and a touchdown pass, and he also went for over 100 on the ground, leading the Philly attack. They also had a Sanders for over 100 on the ground and two touchdowns, and their defense just had a fucking day, an interception and five sacks. Hill had an all right, like it wasn't terrible, but it wasn't great kind of one. 300 yards, two touchdowns, an interception and a fourth fumble. But, you know, like it was, it was just, yeah, it was a sloppy game from New Orleans. It was not the kind of comprehensive, we've always kind of liked the idea that they're able to be coached up and regardless of who's out injured can figure their way through it. And they have been that way with with Hill at quarterback as well but Jalen Hurts comes in the little bit of rushing just gives him a little bit more excitement in Philly gives him a little bit more presumably that is also why Sanders went off so much more with him under center as well but like you know I don't know what what it was that inspired the defense this is like this is a good win for Philly keeping them alive in that horrible horrible dirge that is the NFC East but like this just seems more like a failure of of, of New Orleans really to me yeah like look like the Philly defense is actually playing fine like it did okay against Green Bay for example last week but Carson Wentz has been putting him in a hole it's a lot like the Giants where their defense was building slowly this season but Daniel Danny Dines kept throwing like giving the ball away mm. and putting him in impossible situations so they bring in Jalen Hurts and they do an offense that like look the statistics are fine like they they had like you know, over 300 yards here or nearly 400 yards. So, like, I think that's fine. But the way it actually looked when you were watching it, it was that it was a very grindy offense. Jalen Hurts, while he has this reputation as, like, a, a dual-threat quarterback, and he certainly does have that, he's also, I would almost say, like, a somewhat conservative quarterback, like, like a rich man's Tarod Taylor, I would almost say. And there was basically this offense kept going by ensuring that every single play um, was a positive play that they didn't take, you know, silly stacks that they kept the, the guard yard moving, and then every time that they got into a fourth and four, short situation, they trusted Hertz to do the right thing to get it with his legs in the ground or to take the easy pass to Sanders uh, or to one of the wide receivers, and he was just very, very efficient, and that's what we saw from him in the college game where he kind of had to prove that he wasn't just like another one of these kind of Tim Tebow quite quarterbacks. He proved himself over the over the years as he kept like as he kept having to move around the college game. Sanders obviously being helped with the fact that the quarter like the, the other defense, Saints defense had to key in on him. And so the Saints defense, which hadn't given up a hundred yard rusher in I think like nearly a season and a half, gave up two hundred yard rushers in one game. And it's just a it's a, it's a testament to what you have like without Wentz, because Wentz is just feeling it's like a busted flush right now. And on the other side, I think Sean's been saying this since Taysom Hill's been made quarterback, is that the mistakes are going to cost him. And so it proved in this game. His, you know, two turnovers in this game, his inability to kind of just take simple reads. Uh, a lot of his passes kind of just like dive off a cliff once they go beyond a certain length uh, of field. And, and you know, they had a 0-17 zero, zero to 17 halftime deficit and it could have been 0-20 to 20, like because Philly missed a uh, pretty easy field goal at the end of the first half and their their comeback came up short in the end yeah I mean I, I have been saying that the, the longer Hill stayed in at quarterback the more likely the Saints were to, to drop a game and I guess we can say that it was on the cards certainly the last two weeks I think we've seen both ends of the, of the Hill spectrum 
that he's capable of the kind of game he had last week where he plays very well and looks like a quarterback, but he's also capable of the kind of game he played this week where, I mean, it's not just the, the mistakes, the interception, the forced fumble. It's also fa- the fact that the first half kind of slow start that the Saints had where they were down 17 points at halftime, a lot of that had to do with the fact that they – they were this offense was being built around very very short passes that that because you can't rely on Hill throwing all that long although he got a bit better of it in the second half he was willing to, to have a few more shots down down the field in the second half the the kind of slow start meant that they were always playing catch up and even though this game ends as a one score game it really was never all that close in terms of the game flow Philly missed a few field goals. Um, the Saints pulled to within seven at one point, but then the, the Eagles pulled out again, and, and the, the Saints, um, it was only right at the end that, that they managed to get back within three points. So for a team that was the number one seed, and it, it, it's it's worth noting that this knocks this defeat knocks the Saints down from the number one seed in the NFC to the number two seed, this was quite a poor performance. And I think a lot of it can be put in the fact that the, the offense just doesn't have the rhythm the, the kind of rhythm it has with Breeze when, when when Hill is under center, and because he is capable of having these kinds of games, you would worry about it. I mean, I'm now hearing possibly that Breeze may not be back until the postseason, which would put the Saints in a, in a lot of trouble because it's quite easy, given how tight the NFC is, to drop down the seedings quite quickly. And they are, I think, only two games ahead of the, the Bucks as well. So if they have a kind of a proper collapse, they, they could be caught in their division as well. So this one... The Saints, this can't be wrought, written off as an aberration for the Saints. I think they have to look at it as being a game where there are lots of, of lessons and to be learned. Uh, and from Philly, I mean, you, I, you just have to wonder what would have happened earlier in the season if, if Wentz had been pulled for, for Hurts. Yeah, no, because I'd also I'd be particularly interested to see if it is sustainable, because sometimes you do see a bump when they swap to the new quarterback just because there's a lack of tape, but it does look like it's a much more dynamic style of play for them to be dealing with. Uh, next up, Kansas City at Miami, 33-27. to 27. From 10 to nothing down to 30 to, some, to 10 up, Mahomes came back into the game after Miami got spotted about 10, nearly 400 yards, two touchdowns, but three interceptions, which is a little bit out of characteristic form, but he still had a couple of very nice plays. Good special teams play, kind of particularly, uh, I think it was, uh, was it Hardman at the half? Who yeah, got the, yeah, got the touchdown, yeah. Which is very, very good. That they basically just turned it on for about a quarter and a half and then decided, ah, that's enough and went back to sleep. Uh, <laughs> that's like, what you've been complaining about all year. Yeah, yeah, but it is basically like, and, and it happened again of like, even there towards the end, they're like, oh, should we go do something? No, no, we'll just hold the ball for a bit and we'll kick a field goal. Sure, they can't catch up at that point anyway. <laughs> like, that was that was about it. Tua had a decent enough game over 300 yards of two touchdowns particularly in the second half he was better than in the first half but like you know you saw bits from everything the special teams performed like whenever they felt they needed to do it we had a safety from the defense we had some absolute dime balls to from Mahomes, and yeah just like they did but fair dues as well to the to the to the Dolphins defense who put up a very good game they had one particularly great I think was it a 30 yard sack on Mahomes at one point uh, <laughs> and I think he said uh, well it works in Madden all the time so I yeah <laughs> and, and, and the weirdest thing is like with Mahomes it works with him doing it quite often so you can see why he takes those chances but yeah it was a little bit kind of I'll just throw it the fuck away but look overall I would have liked them to have won it by more but I also similar to what Sean was saying about that Philly game not really feeling within a score I don't at any point feel like I thought Miami were going to win that game. Like, as soon as they were up, they were like, yeah, they can just go and score another 15 if they need to, but they don't feel they need to at the moment. A kind of a boring-ish game from Kansas City, really. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
Yeah, I mean, this was a very fun first half. I really, I really enjoyed the first half of this game, and then KC started doing that thing where they keep scoring points until the opponents give up, uh, which, which tends to work with, with the whole winning of the games thing, which is the most important thing. Really fun to watch Miami's defense. The, the scheming was, was really interesting. They, as, I, as the commentators were pointing out, they were, they were running fake blitzes, which I thought was a very interesting idea. They, they were setting up to look like they were blitzing, but then the, the, the players would drop back at the last second. And it looked like, given Mahomes threw, some, uh, threw three interceptions, which he's never done in his career before, that it was working, that, that, that they were getting the turnovers they were needed, they were keeping competitive. But the problem with playing this Kansas City team and the problem with any team that's trying to prevent them from, from repeating this year is that there's just a point at which this team just kicks up a gear and is just unstoppable. When the Kansas City offense gets into gear, they can score... 30 points in a heartbeat and teams just can't keep up with it. So, I mean, I think this, if this game is a kind of a demonstration of what the rest of the season um, is going to look like, then I think we can all kind of forget about anyone else winning the Super Bowl because Kansas City don't look um, like they, they have enough weaknesses to overcome the fact that their offense can just score um, at will. For Miami, um, I mean, it's going to be a tough defeat since they obviously put an awful lot into this game. And to end up being at one point like 28 points down. To have played so well and to be so far down must have been disheartening. Tua looks good. I mean, this is the first time I had a very proper look at Tua. He, he makes good decisions. I do wonder if he's a little bit safe. He, he maybe is more of a game manager than he is necessarily explosive, which um, I don't know in the long run is something that Miami is going to want. But they have a tough end of schedule we talked about, but they're very much in the playoff hunt. And this defense plays this level, will get them some wins down the stretch and could cause uh, headaches for some teams uh, in the playoffs. Next up, Pittsburgh at Buffalo, 15-26. to 26, uh, Buffalo knock off the uh, previously number one seeded Pittsburgh team. That uh, was an ugly first half, 7-9 to nine with 10 punts, 3 turnovers. Diggs-Allen connection seems to just be working really well. They just they, they got to just be happy with that trade overall. Uh, Diggs at 130 and a touchdown. Allen had, like, that's more than half of Allen's stats. And it nearly all came in the third. Like Pittsburgh just looked a mess. Ben, sub 200, two touchdowns and two interceptions. There are still drops happening and all that kind of stuff. And I know that they're going to blame that for it. But the reason that these drops are happening is because they don't have a run game and they can't trust themselves. Like in this game, the Pittsburgh team were by far the least physical of the two. And it meant when they got into short yardage situations, they can't rely on Benny Snell to go and pick them up. So they end up with this weird kind of touch timing passing system, which is not really how they want to be playing. Like I know Ben has played more of that style this year, but it doesn't like it doesn't suit them. It doesn't make that much sense. And it means like if they can't run the ball, they can't contend with some of these teams, you know? Like it's just oh, it's awful. Like do you remember was it like I know it's last week's game, but last week's game they ran, was it seven plays from the one yard line and weren't able to score. Like this is a very soft Pittsburgh team. Yeah, I mean, this is the second very worrying defeat that the Steelers have suffered. We we have been talking as the season has gone along about the, the weakness of this offense and the fact that this team didn't feel like it was a number one seed. And we're beginning to see them, I think, regressing to the mean a little bit in terms of I think their offense has been basically completely figured out at this point. This short passing game has been worked out and Rothenberger doesn't seem like he has... The, the mojo um, of his peak years to kind of to move beyond that. So you would worry for the Steelers going down the stretch. I mean, they've probably got their division one. They'll probably end up as the number two or, or at a stretch, the, the number three seed. 
but you would have to worry in the playoffs that they're going to be very, very heavily reliant upon their defense to, to carry them through, which isn't going to be enough, I think, against the, if you think about the Kansas cities um, of this world, for example, that they're going to be end up facing at some point uh, in the playoffs if they keep going. I mean, if I'm the Pittsburgh defense, I'm going to be very pissed off because they played so well in this game for, for long stretches. Um, but because the offense wasn't producing whatsoever, eventually they, they just couldn't stop the Bills. Stephon Diggs had, had a great game and they got through them. On the other side, I mean, this is a huge win for the Bills. This is absolutely monumental in, in terms of the psychology because it's quite similar, I think, to the, to the Brown situation. This is a team that has historically been terrible, that has never had success, that has always had a kind of inferiority complex going into games. We saw this at the start of this game. There were some big game jitters that we've seen in all of the Bills' big games this season. They were The offense was misfiring. There were a lot of early turnovers. They, they fumbled the ball a couple of times early on. It looked like this is going to be a defensive slugfest, which you know one team was going to win 10-7 or something. But then the defense stepped up. There was a very big pick six near the end um, of the second quarter that gave the Bills a lead. And then in the second quarter, they made some adjustments and, and Alan Diggs just started to kill them. And you could feel as the game went on the confidence that this team now feels that they can compete at the very top level um, of the AFC and the very top level of the NFL uh, as a whole. This is a team that's really coming into itself in, in terms um, of its of its confidence. They had the, the end, the drive, uh, the game ending drive, they went to like, they held onto the ball for like six minutes at the end of the game to kill any hope of a comeback was was great to see. This is a team that is maturing, coming into itself, and is going to be a real, real threat in the playoffs if they can hold to this level. They don't really have a run game. Their defense may be not as good um, or consistent as they need to be, but certainly if they play this well, um, they could go all the way to the Super Bowl. There's no question about that. Oh, yeah. Green Bay at Detroit, 31-24. to 24. Green Bay beat kind of a, I would say, look, it was, it was a decent performance from Detroit. Rodgers over 300 with four touchdowns. Uh, Adams over 100 with a touchdown. They they just, there was no response from the defense of the of the Lions at all for the Stafford. Had 244 yards and a touchdown. Tried to, you know, do his standard, bring them back in the fourth quarter to get a load of fancy points and just come up short. But he got injured, as we mentioned, the rib injury. So they weren't able to do anything. I think it was it was a Chase Daniel came in in his stead. And to be honest, like Chase Daniel didn't do terribly. Like it wasn't great, but it also was much better than I was expecting to see coming out of Chase Daniel. Um, the lack of defense was bad. Like there's no sacks, over 400 yards allowed. This is, we've been saying for basically the whole year. This Detroit team is not really up to much, and this Green Bay team again just coasted to this. It felt like they could have if they wanted put more up on them. This was this was a mismatch from the start. From a defensive point of view, the Detroit Lions, they're, they're hurt. They have a lot of injuries. I think Jeff Okuda, their first round cornerback, is gone for the season this week. So, look, they're playing with, with, a, with a poor roster, which hasn't been greatly coached this year uh, after, they fought, after having Patricia in charge of them for several years. So, look, like the reason the Detroit Lions lost this game is because of their defense. But fair play to... Uh, Matt Stafford, he, he he's playing well, and since Daryl Bevel came in, the the evolution has been uh, uh has been pretty okay. It's I had some you know some games where Matt Stafford looks more like the old Matt Stafford that we expect, but given the injury he took late in this game, I don't know if we're going to see much more of that. So look, I think Chase Daniel, he is what he is. That that, that makes them a lot less interesting uh, going down the stretch. Uh, but maybe we might see more of the Andre Swift. Uh, given that, but like look. The story of this game is that the Green Bay Packers, they wrap up the NFC North, they move into the number one seed in the NFC, and they do it doing what they've done basically for 
what feels like the entire season where Aaron Rodgers just casually gets three touchdowns um, in the air, one on the ground, just looks all around the MVP candidate. Uh, Mahomes has, I suppose, a somewhat down day, so maybe and people just want to have non-Mahomes because he's going to have so many MVPs at the end of his career goes that Rodgers might get one at this point. But like, look, that their defense was was okay. Uh, it did the job, and like Devontae Adams is absolutely ripping people up. So look, yeah, I think like realistically the Green Bay Packers are a far more talented team that they, they kind of did their job here I think maybe you, you you could say that 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 you know you want the defense to do a bit more but uh, overall they're a solid team and they really just seem to still have that one weakness um, which Detroit just aren't able to, to exploit right now which is like if they come against a team that can run the ball that's where we've seen them struggle but uh, no such issue this week so uh, yeah Packers feeling pretty right now and well on that way to the number one seed the Washington football team at the San Francisco 49ers, 23-15. to 15. Yep, again, ugly-ass game. Both rosters, missing a lot of people. The Washington defense was the best entity, I suppose. Uh, two touchdowns, two forced fumbles, an interception, and four sacks. It was all led by the rookie Young. Touchdown, sack, two tackles for the loss. Smith got injured. Haskins was bleh, as I think we mentioned earlier. like He made mistakes as well. Mullins, I, I don't understand the quarterback because, like, I think I heard that, so he's had 10 starts now. He's never thrown for less than 250 yards, but he also is definitely not a starting quality quarterback. It's, it's, just, it's just bizarre. But yeah, this was a, this was a scrappy, ugly-ass game. Uh, I'll be honest, I kind of watched it a little bit sped up because it was hard to, hard to enjoy. But good performance out of the Washington defense. Uh, San Francisco are just like... They said they're already shutting down their players. They're packing it up for the year anyway. And Washington are taking strides towards uh, Alex Smith getting a playoff game, which I am 100% behind. So, yeah, fine. I still don't think either of these teams would beat a full-strength roster. Yeah, I mean, feel the the Washington hype top the the NFC East, um, at least for a week or so. And honestly, from the defensive side, at the very least, this is a team that's really coming into itself. I mean, the... If we want to break it down to brass tacks, the defense, basically, the Washington defense won this game on their own. It wasn't just the fact that they kind of hampered the Niners' offense from get, getting anywhere. It's also that they scored 14 points. Um, they're starting to look, I mean, quite tasty in terms of, of their kind of aggressiveness. Chase Young had had a really good game. Uh, it was interesting to watch. The uh, Washington offense is not just not, not an awful lot going on. They're a limited offense. At the best of times, without Gibson there, they just look like they don't have much going on at all. I thought Smith had a fairly poor game until he went out hurt. Then Haskins came in and was fine. I mean, I think that, that Haskins, I mean, he's, you know, he seems reliable if unspectacular. But yeah, I mean, this Washington team's going to have, I mean, they're likely now, I mean, they would be favorites now to, to have this home playoff game. But I think they're going to be one and done the playoffs. The first team they're going to run into is going to crush them. For the 49ers, I mean, this is a season that got away from them in terms of the the various injuries and the setbacks having to play from away from home has just become too much for them in the end. Mullins, I agree with you. I mean, this, as I said before, the stats always look fine, but he just never feels like he's actually going um, to make it as an NFL. He, he's probably a solid backup. I think he's a good option to have as a backup if your main guy gets injured, but he's not somebody you want to be putting your, your team on. 49ers, though, I think this season just has to be written off. The coaching is a high level and the fundamentals are sound, so they will be back next year. They will be back as a force once they get together, but there's just no way for uh, any NFL team to survive the amount of injuries uh, and setbacks that the Niners have suffered, and so their season is over, and I think they're going to be very glad when they 
they kind of finish up and get to go home and rest um, for for a few months before starting all over again. No, of course. Uh, Minnesota Tampa Bay, fourteen to twenty six. Dan Bailey, what a day! Uh, he made none of his kicks. Uh, zero. Damn you, Dan Bailey. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, yeah, uh, Lake Cousins, a few mistake throws from Cooks, but like, look, it was it was interesting. There is no point in this game that didn't feel like. And I hate saying this because I don't like him. But there's no point in this game where Minnesota shouldn't have been winning it. I don't mm. know how how Tampa Bay managed to actually win this. Tom was fine, two touchdowns. The running game had 80 yards. Like, it was fine. The defense had six sacks. That was good. But, like, you know, I think they had, like, 80 or 90 yards rushing in the first quarter against them because Cooks was getting going. Like, it was Dan Bailey mistakes that cost them this I wouldn't be yes it's an important win for Tampa Bay and all that kind of stuff but you know this is one where Minnesota walk home and said we lost that game not that we were beaten yeah and like look <laughs> Minnesota had like 40 minutes of the possession like they they dominated this game on the old school statistics and they didn't do anything with it um, they dominated the first quarter didn't have any points in the first quarter uh, and then Tampa Bay, it's very similar, I almost think, to that Green Bay game Tampa Bay had where, like, you know, the, the Green Bay Packers got onto a fast start. They looked like they were going to win that game. Uh, but then slowly but surely, you know, their mistakes gave in and the Tampa Bay defense slowly enclosed around them. But, like, look, the Vikings, yeah, they shot themselves in the foot. Dan Bailey had an absolute nightmare. Three missed field goals, two of them very short, and the missed extra point. That's just not acceptable from a kicker. And, you know, it's the kind of thing that for a team like Minnesota, which kind of plays close to the edge anyway, where they always kind of make every game kind of close because they don't tend to have explosive plays. They don't tend to try and like run up the score. That's that's really unacceptable. And then Tampa Bay's defense, yeah, came into the game and basically the offense, while it had some ups and downs, uh, Tom Brady perhaps still isn't the greatest deep draw ball thrower, even if he had a couple here that were actually pretty nice. Um, they just kind of ground out, got their points, kept the, kept the, the, the score ticking over and that turned out to be enough against uh, this particular error-prone uh, uh, Minnesota team. So like, look, Minnesota, they're six and seven now. They're very much uh, outside looking in in the playoff hunt. But uh, yeah, like you know, they could have had so much more here. So Tampa Bay escape. They they stay in in the playoff hunt, and we'll see if they can. You know, they they didn't really come out here and show. Oh, they're going to be a dominant force down the stretch. But uh, you know, they're they've got a tough defense. They've got a decent offense. So I wouldn't dismiss them either. So yeah, a bit of a questionable game all around, to be honest. Yeah, Indianapolis of Vegas, 44-27. to Indy just completely destroyed them. Taylor, 150 yards and two touchdowns. Uh, Rivers was fine. Again, just nothing overly exciting, 240 and two touchdowns. Carr had some explosive plays, but like he threw two interceptions as well. Their defense didn't do anything. As we mentioned before, they fired the defensive coordinator after this game. It was pretty shocking. Very, very, very poor from the Vegas defense in particular. And uh, like, great, great to see the running game going in Indianapolis. But I think we said this in the previous last week. Like, these are two teams that I wouldn't be worried about seeing overly in the postseason, and I really couldn't be arsed watching in the postseason. Yeah, I mean, it's oh, the, the Colts are the least inspiring team I think in the history of the NFL. But they're grinding out these wins one by one. They are now nine. They're basically going to the playoff. They have, they have nine wins now. They're looking fine. Uh, I mean, 
to me that all the talent in this team is, I mean, I think the defense is, is quite, has some strengths, but also in terms of the offense, that the talent is in the, the running backs and the wide receivers. Taylor had a monster game, including one very big run. Uh, Hines and Hilton also kind of showed off their skills, kind of allowing Rivers to look solid. There is an interesting kind of sliding doors moment here where you mean to think how good would this team be if Andrew Luck um, was still uh, their quarterback. Oh, yeah, I think yeah. their offense would, would be would be serious business um, if, they, if they had that kind of talent um, under center. In terms of the Raiders, their season has now basically utterly collapsed. The, they played a really good game against the Kansas City Chiefs three weeks ago and decided... But that was enough. They just take the rest of the season off. I mean, certainly uh, their defense seems to have taken the rest of the season off. They were they were just non-existent uh, in this game and have become um, a serious uh, deficiency. Their offense is is not quite good either. Their offense tends to be decent up until the red zone and then just kind of just stops playing. And they had three red zone drives in this game were either turnover or they, they ended up having to kick field goals. And a game where your defense isn't stopping the other team, then that's just, you can't afford to have that. But the Raiders now, I mean, they're seven and six. They will probably, because of how strong the AFC is, have to win all three games. At the very least, they're playing the Dolphins uh, in week 16, and they will definitely have to beat them. But I, I can't see the Raiders making the playoffs from this point. I think the AFC is too strong, and they've just... They've given up too many uh, games for the Colts. They'll be there, but I, I mean, I think they're they're wild card fodder. I think they'll they'll fall to the, the first good team um, that they play. Or at least I hope. I don't want to see this team uh, <laughs> grinding out two or three wins yeah. in January. That would be yeah, a bit all, too much. All, for me. all I can feel now is my words coming back to haunt me, and then them pulling off another really irritating, like bizarre fourth quarter win against the Chiefs or something. Yeah. Is um, is this the Philip Rivers Super Bowl year? Is the question yes, that Oh yeah, the fabled Super Bowl year that many of us don't <laughs> think will ever exist. Next up, we've got the dump off. These are all the games that we got to let Fitz handle because we couldn't be arse handling ourselves. Yeah, the dump off <laughs> pretty big this week. You think Philip Rivers is running the reviews? Um, so yeah, Arizona at the Giants, twenty six to seven. The Arizona D absolutely rips up a banged up Danny Dimes who had just over a hundred yards. So. Eight sacks, three forced fumbles, let around 150 yards allowed. Yeah, Danny Dimes shouldn't be out there, and he was ripped to shreds with Reddick getting a starring role with five sacks. Kyler was fine, nearly 300 yards and touchdown. Uh, but you know the fact they're getting the run game going with Drake looking fine and DeAndre Hopkins had a better game. That, that I think that's all together solid for a team that seemed to be reeling, uh, and they just do enough basically here to win against a, a team that, that doesn't have a quarterback. Um, especially when you bring a Colt McCoy as your secondary option. Dallas at Cincinnati, 30-7. to Dalton, in his revenge game, in inverted commas, gets 150 yards and two touchdowns, but really the defense ended this game early. They had three forced fumbles uh, on Cincinnati's first three drives, um, one of them going for a touchdown. And yeah, Allen was fine for Cincinnati uh, quarterback, but the complete lack of talent and, and their untimely mistakes basically led to a, what seems like another in a series of slow and steady losses uh, since Burrow has gone out. So it's just depressing over there in Cincinnati. Dallas still live, technically. Uh, let's hope not for much longer. Uh, New England at the Rams, 3-24. to Kind of sterile dominance for the Rams as they got a pick six early in this game that led to a 0-17 to deficit and then just kind of ran the game out with Akers uh, with the defense doing most of the work with a touchdown interception, six sacks, and only 220 yards allowed. 
Um, Akers was good though, he had nearly 200 yards and uh, Cam was benching this game late for Stidham, uh, but you know, he wasn't getting any help, the run game didn't do anything, the run defense didn't do anything. Uh, you know, you have to wonder whether they'll bench Cam going forward, but uh, you know, based on this I wouldn't really blame them for doing so, even though Stidham doesn't exactly inspire confidence either. Tennessee at Jacksonville, 31-10, to King Henry dominates and Tannehill cleans up, where have we heard this before, 222 yards for Henry and two touchdowns. My my God, he just sometimes absolutely destroys teams single-handedly. Look, Glennon for Jacksonville was benched and Minshew came in and added at least a little bit of spark to an offense that was completely stuttering. Um, he's now been named the starter for next week. Um, so we'll, we'll see what they can do w w with him in the last three weeks. But I think one note to make here is that neither of these defenses really inspired that much confidence going forward. And for Tennessee as a contender, that's probably more of an issue. Another blowout, Jets at Seattle, 3 to 40. Seattle brought in Geno Smith for his revenge game late in the third quarter um, as Russ had 200 yards and four touchdowns and, and Chris Carson had a touchdown too. So they had like a nice tune-up game after some difficult weeks recently. Darnold just looks sad at the moment, 132 yards, but there's no run game, there's no defense, and they added no kicking here because they had one out of four kicks. Um, so, you know, that they got their, their field goal in the first drive and then did nothing for the rest of the game. Houston at Chicago, 7-36. to Chicago keep their, you know, pretty marginal playoff hopes alive. And Mitch Titties looked okay, 267 yards, three touchdowns. Uh, but mostly he was helped that the rush game absolutely destroyed Houston early on. Um, 169 yards overall, 7.3 per carry, 113 for those from Montgomery. Most of that coming on a 75-yard early run, touchdown run. And yeah, the Houston D is just bad. The Chicago D actually did something, seven sacks, two forced fumbles. Uh, but Watson's out there with no weapons, nothing really to work with. And I think if you want a metaphor for this game, it was uh, Watson trying to come back. And on third down, he takes a sack right to the nuts and was had to be taken out of the game <laughs> because of it. Um, and that's how this probably felt for all the Houston fans who, who decided to keep watching. And then finally, two dumb games between teams that are eliminated. Denver at Carolina, 32-27. to Back and forth game. I think the difference was that Locke was explosive in the second half. And even though he's making mistakes, he still had 280 yards, four touchdowns. He was throwing deep balls and the defense was pretty good with four sacks. And Teddy, on the other hand, is just, he's Teddy. He's fine. He's solid. He had a nice rushing touchdown this game. But, you know, they just lacked that big play element that Denver brought in the second half. And that ended up being decisive. Um, when it came down to brass tacks and Denver ended up winning this in, in, in the kind of track meet it became in the second half, surprisingly. And then finally, Atlanta at the Chargers, 17-20 to to the Chargers. One of the dumbest games that will ever happen in the NFL. A game that ended on a sequence of interception from Matt Ryan, interception by Justin Herbert, interception by Matt Ryan, and then a field goal for the, the, the Chargers to win. And that's after uh, the Chargers at the end of the first half uh, got down to the 10 yard line with 22 seconds left, called a run, let the clock run out. That's how Chargers, how bad the Chargers are right now. <laughs> but you know, Matt Ryan without Julio Jones is worse because he, he threw three picks and he was absolutely terrible. While Herbert is still a bit below where he was during that run where we thought he might be a you know, future MVP, but uh, he was fine and he was solid. And, you know, both of these teams just need the season to be over because they need a major refresh at the coaching level, at the personnel level, uh, at every level. So, yeah, dumb game. Uh, Chargers get a win, though, so good for them considering the luck they've had. And, yeah, that, that that's it for this week. The dump-off uh, is pretty big, and we expect it'll be pretty big going forward as well. It's a pretty big dump. <laughs> a Lamar Jackson-sized dump. In this <laughs> yeah, so, so we'll go and take a look at the games for next week. 
Okay, first up, Thursday Night Football. Oh, this will be fun. Chargers at the Vegas Raiders. All gone for the Vegas Raiders, Sean? Yeah, I mean, it's interesting that we all, all three of us went for the Raiders. I think it's going to be quite a close game. Obviously, the Raiders are in a, in a real crappy form at the moment um, where they're trying to avoid making the playoffs as much as possible. Conversely, the Chargers are incapable of winning a game. Uh, and even the games they did win last week, they, they tried to, to give it away uh, multiple times, but somehow the Falcons insisted that they did win. Um, so I can see either team winning here, but in the end, I think the Raiders, I mean, they have to win. Surely they have to win. If they let this game go, they may as well fire the entire coaching staff. Um, there's enough talent in this Raiders team, and it matters so much more to them. And the Chargers will always find a way to lose a game if given the opportunity. So surely the Raiders uh, will pull this one out and just about keep their playoff hopes alive. John Gruden's got that gold-plated contract. He isn't going anywhere. <laughs> <laughs> what was it? 10, 10 years, 100 million or something, wasn't it? Yep. Yeah, some job. Uh, next up, Houston at Indianapolis. We've all gone from Indianapolis here. Yeah, well, I'm not impressed by them. Houston don't have a receiver, are missing most of their defense. And Deshaun Watson had just got hit repeatedly at the balls. Like, I don't... <laughs> I, I don't... Yeah. <laughs> I don't know how they could win this. I love they would because it gives less of a chance of seeing Indianapolis. But, you know, I can't see past the Colts here. No, like the Colts are a solid team. They get the job done. And Philip Rivers, to be fair to him, is uh, looking solid despite the fact he's dealing with some health issues. But I think, you know, the big thing for Indianapolis that we talked about is that they're getting the run game going. Jonathan Taylor is finally having some breakout games. And Houston have one of the worst run defenses here. So I expect Indianapolis can get up early and then grind this game out. And look, Deshaun Watson, he nearly pulled it off a couple of weeks ago against his team. But uh, I don't think that's going to happen given the additional injuries and issues they've had even since that, that brief period ago. Yeah, of course. Next up, we have Buffalo at the Denver Broncos. We've gone for Buffalo across the board. Buffalo have been playing very well. They are kind of exciting to watch. Denver are a nothing team at the moment. I would hope for them to keep it close. Uh, I'm very in favour of them thinking that Drew Locke is the franchise future for them. Uh, <laughs> I'm happy to have him in division for the next while. Denver have been doing some more interesting things on offence, uh, particularly I think Tim Patrick has been having a good connection with Locke of late, but I can't see them having enough firepower to bring down Buffalo at the moment. Next up, Sam Fran at Dallas. Yeah, I find <laughs> this one hard to pick. Uh, it's still technically important because the NFC East is, is just about <laughs> saying everyone's staying relevant at the moment. But like, yeah, so me and Sean have gone for San Francisco. Fitz has gone for Dallas. I don't even know. I show I'm going to go for Dallas. Yeah, I'm going to go for Dallas. As <laughs> yeah, well. I, I'm kind of in two minds about it as well. I'm not even sure that the Niners are actually capable of winning uh, a game Thing at is, this point, given how few players they have thing is like San Fran are they are very well coached and they do have some good pieces but like yeah I think whoever wins I think this is a game where obviously you just don't want to have to lean on your quarterback too much um, I think it's two teams where their defense has been surprisingly okay uh, over recent weeks, or at least shown flashes. I just kind of feel like Dallas, they have more to play for, and I think San Francisco are somehow accruing even more injuries. Like Raheem Mostert's kind of playing a, a true injury at the moment. It kind of definitely tells. They lose Debo Samuel, so it's really just now like Nick Mullins and Brandon Ayuk, uh, and that's it. Like, because... You know, it's the, the Shanahan running game, and because their defense is pretty solid, I wouldn't dismiss them. This is certainly a coin flip game because both these teams are doing consistent. Yeah. But I think Dallas, look, they're not playing great right now, but I think that they, they, they might have enough here to get it done. But, like, look, I have no confidence uh, in this game at all. Yeah, I, I've, I'm confident in one thing I'm not watching this game. 
Like <laughs> uh, next this up, is Carolina. Own fodder. Yeah, Carolina at Green Bay. We've got for Green Bay across the board here, Ronan. Yeah, look, Green Bay are, are a superior team. They ha- have far more talent, and they're 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 pretty handily taking care of teams right now. And the Carolina defense, they they're doing okay on turnovers, but uh, otherwise they've been pretty. Um, anonymous. Uh, I think the only thing that could give Carolina a chance here is if Christian McCaffrey comes back and it is Christian McCaffrey. I think based on, on where they are right now, it's hard to bet against Green Bay. This is a, an odd aside, but uh, have you seen the Christian McCaffrey ad that they show during all the football of like, oh, let's get those Amazon like web solutions guys to work out the, the percentage chance of me scoring this touchdown. Yeah, the AWS one. Yeah, yeah. like <laughs> I would genuinely think if a player misses like two-thirds of a season due to injury, you don't make an ad about them doing front flips with like 4% chance of this being successful <laughs> and healthy. Like, it seems like a bad plan. Just just, just, just saying there, if you're out there, AWS, uh, give us money instead. We're, we're much more popular. <laughs> Next year, um, the injury tracker. <laughs> Yeah, Chicago at Minnesota. Yeah, I find this one really hard to pick as well. This is another one that I don't want to watch. It's an it's an elimination game though. Whoever loses, yeah. it's officially we can just throw them in the in the trash fire. Go for I, Minnesota, Sean. You've got for Chicago. I yeah, I I just don't buy the Vikings at all. I just don't want them to win games, and I have a I'm in a little bit of love for the Chicago defense, although they you know they've been up and down, but they maybe last week's. Win is the inspiration they need to get their season back on track and scrape out that nine and seven season we all know they're capable of. Um, but yeah, I mean, this game is going to be who loses it as opposed to who wins it. If, if Cook starts getting going, um, then that might, might be enough for the Vikings. But I, I, I just kind of feel that the Bears have more to fight for here and the, the Vikings might feel their season is a bit over, especially since they don't seem to have a kicker anymore. Yeah. yeah and like Montgomery isn't as good as Dalvin Cook, but the, the Minnesota run defense is a lot less good than the Chicago uh, run defense, especially if Akeem Hicks is, is healthy and playing, which he has been the last couple of weeks. So, like, look, I, I could certainly see why Chicago have a shot in this game, but I just think like Minnesota, yes, they shot themselves in the foot against Tampa Bay, but I think Tampa Bay are overall a pretty solid team, whereas I think Chicago are just as prone, if not more prone, to making those kind of blundering mistakes. And I think Minnesota, if they can take advantage of the early um, the early gains that they make, get a bit of a score up, then you know, Mitch Trubisky's re- re- renaissance, if you want to call it that, will come to a pretty shuddering halt. Um, so I'm going to favour Minnesota. Just being, They've got Dalvin Cook. That feels like just a factor I'm more willing to trust than Mitch Titties and David Montgomery, even if the Chicago defence is maybe a bit better. Fair enough, yeah. Again, I just know I don't want to watch this game. Jacksonville at Baltimore. We've gone for Baltimore across <laughs> the board, Sean. Yeah? Yeah, I mean, Baltimore are back. Their offense, if it clicks at, at even 75% of the level we saw on Monday night, then they should be comfortable enough here. Jacksonville's season is basically over. Even when they play well, they lose, and they don't play well that often. Um, so I think the Ravens should be comfortable enough. Next up, Seattle at Washington. We've both gone for Seattle, myself and Fitz and Sean. has gone for Washington. This is Ronan's pick of the week. Yeah, so a really important game. Like if Washington can win this game, it'll it'll give them a good leg up in terms of securing that NFC East. I'm sure at least one of these other NFC East teams will lose uh, in this week. And yeah, for Seattle, they've been in a bit of a slump. They got the nice like New York Jets tonic, but now they have like an actual team team again. And of course, at Washington, we're not sure if Antonio Gibson will be back. I think his turf toe. Oftentimes, they take a few weeks to to get through. Um, Alex Smith may or may not be playing, so you may see Dwayne Haskins instead. Um, Terry McLaurin hasn't really done much for them in recent weeks because teams have been keying in on him. You know, on form, maybe Seattle might have a, a slight edge here. But of course, you know, we saw that Washington defensive line absolutely annihilate a team this week, and Seattle's offensive line has been an issue. Um, so for Seattle, Brandon. 
Brandon Shell, the right tackle, uh, is questionable for this game. If he's out and they have to bring in Chad Wheeler again, that could be a disaster. We've seen what happened in that Giants game when, when Russell Wilson is put under extreme pressure. He makes mistakes. The whole offense grinds to a halt. So for Seattle, they've got a... I think for Seattle, the best solution here would be to try and get um, DK Metcalf involved early, pick on a secondary, which I don't think is too strong, and, you know, try and have, uh, you know, use the run game to hopefully, um, you know, keep the, the defensive dogs away from Russell for a bit. So, like, look, Seattle, I think this is a pretty close game overall. I wouldn't be confident calling it, you know, 100% for Seattle, but I think I'm willing to give it for the team that has a bit of a more explosive element right now. But look, the Washington defense won a game this week. Maybe they can do it again. Fair enough. Next up, Detroit at Tennessee. We've gone for Tennessee across the board. Zed King Henry is having his 200-yard, two-touchdown games pretty much every week at this point. Detroit just don't have much going for them. Might have the backup quarterback in. You said, you know, the Bevolution. My hope is that the Bevolution will not be televised because, again, <laughs> I keep getting these games I don't want to watch. Like <laughs> Tennessee just slowly smothering Detroit to death. Does not sound like a way to spend three hours. Yeah, Tennessee all the way. Uh, New England at Miami. I was actually hemming and hawing for a second and was like, no, there's a quarterback controversy on in New England. They're traveling in December to Miami. We know how this goes. They can't win in Miami yeah, the, in December. The Pat season is over. I mean, they're not even trying anymore, and they don't really have a quarterback. So the Miami defense, if they play as well as they played against Kansas City, I think they, they should do enough. Um, and certainly, if they can put together an offense, I mean, with the pieces they have injured, they might be difficult. But I think the Pats, I think, I think they've checked out um, of the season now. And they probably don't care anymore. So I, I would see the Dolphins. They should win this one. I would say. What do you reckon? Is Bill Belichick just sick of renaming his boat? <laughs> <laughs> uh, like, look, like, like Miami. They're going in without without a lot of their offensive starters. Tua has made some questionable decisions. So, look, see, if, if this is my thing. Like, my my, my, my thinking would almost entirely be Bill Belichick has like a ninety five percent record against rookie quarterbacks, right? Like yeah, he exactly. destroys rookie quarterbacks. Yeah, Justin Herbert was was recently eviscerated. Maybe Tua can do could can have that same happen to him. And to be fair, like New England, they they lost their their bye last week due to Miami late on in the season. I think it was week seventeen. So they they have something to get revenge for at least in Bill Belichick. And like yeah, yeah, maybe they have checked out. But I think if you check out in Bill Belichick, they'll probably just play someone who isn't checked out. Like some practice squad guy will end up being like a super new new like a future All Pro. So I'll never dismiss New England completely. But yeah, my Miami right now, they're just a decent team while New England aren't. So, and we have yeah. to favor Miami. I'd never I'm so torn. I'm actually, I'm actually mad. I might come back to this one before the weekend starts and swap <laughs> it. Just the more I think about it, like I think it's only like it's only two rookie quarterbacks that have ever won against him. But I suppose so much of that was during the period of them being dominant as well. But mm. still, I said like, look, they're doing nothing now, but they did beat. The Chargers, what, 45 to yeah. nothing, nearly? Yeah, we'll figure it out after. It's Tampa Bay at Atlanta. We've gone for Bay across the board. Atlanta go as Julio goes, Sean? Yeah, Atlanta without Julio Jones, there's, there's nothing in that team. I mean, that, that Ryan Jones link is the only thing that's made the Falcons even halfway watchable this year. Tampa Bay are up and down, but I think they have enough to, to, to grind this game out. Um, certainly, if they if they give up this, this would be a bad, bad game to give up given how tight that the playoff situation is. I, I think they're going to be wired in and get there. That said, divisional games can be tricky. and they, These teams will know how to beat one another, so you never know what's going to happen, but I just can't see the Falcons scoring enough points uh, to win this game. Yeah, next up, so I think it'll be Kansas City and New Orleans. No, I've gone for Kansas City in this one. Should be a good matchup. The New Orleans defense has been good, so it should provide some interesting 
matchup situations, I think they do have the kind of personnel who would match well against some of our players. What I am looking at, though, is I'm not sure we, we've, like we said, we may not see Breeze back for this game. We're probably expecting at this point Hill. I'm not sure if he has the ability to go toe to toe with a Kansas City offense whenever it hits into a higher gear. Like I completely think that this New Orleans defense can slow down the Kansas City offense, but I think even at that, you're going to need to be able to put up 28 plus points. Yeah, I think like teams have solved the Kansas City offense, but all that's really led to is to Travis Kelsey having. 100-yard game after 100-yard game after 100-yard game. <laughs> He's currently the leading receiver in the NFL. Yeah, so like, you know, that that, that indicates that they're shutting down the Hills and the Hardmans and the, and the Watkins, but yeah, I think like Mahomes, you know, this team feels more complete in Kansas City. They're more willing to be a bit more patient, but they still have that explosive element if you then choose to adjust and take away Kelsey and the underneath stuff. And maybe they can get the run game going here since New Orleans maybe run defense isn't as good as it was as hyped up to be. Hmm. So yeah, Kansas City just have so many elements to their game and I expect that their defense can, you know, it's a very aggressive defense, force Taysom Hill to make quick decisions, that can lead to more forced fumbles, more interceptions and yeah I think Kansas City can get this done Yeah, I think I, I think your main concern in this game is going to be Kamara because the Chiefs running defense has not been that good but the way that they've kind of gotten around that is they'll put up a couple of scores and say right, run all you want, like, but you're going to have to actually track meet so like Kamara hasn't really looked the same since Hill came in. He just—I don't know what's going on there. I know—I know most people are complaining about him in the passing game, but even in the run game, it just doesn't seem they—they they have the same kind of telepathic linkage that, that that they do when Breeze is under center. But yeah, I can't really see past Kansas City in that one. But um, it should make for—I'd imagine we'll probably get quite an exciting game. Good, good highlight reels out of it anyway. Next up, Jets at the Rams. Uh, Ronan, we've all gone for the Rams because the Jets yeah. are the football team. Yeah, pretty much. Expect to see a lot of cam makers here. If you're into fantasy, uh, I'd probably pick them up if he's still available. Fair enough. That's, uh... <laughs> they're going to win this game. Like, Swift and brutal. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, fair enough, fair enough. Philly at Arizona. Uh, we've gone for Arizona across the board in this one. Pretty happy I got Arizona as a pick of my own last week. Yeah, I like the Arizona offense. I know it's not at 100%, but it's good. Their defense has looked a lot tastier the last few weeks. And Philly yeah. don't have a corner to put on New Hopkins. Yeah, so like I, I think you know Arizona that they got a bit of back into form. Their defense finally showed up, but I do think that defense was made look better by the fact that Danny Dimes was obviously hurt and without any without any running capacity, he's basically a, a you know I'd almost say a, like a not startable quarterback basically. So for Arizona, they they have a bit of form. But we do, you know, they have been so inconsistent. And Philly, you know, with this Jalen Hurts offense, it's going to be really, it's not that exciting necessarily, but it did grind down a really good Saints offense. So it'll be really interesting to see if Philly can control the clock, control the game, and play this on their own terms. Because, yeah, if it turns into an open game, I expect DeAndre Hopkins and Kenyon Drake and Kyler Murray to dominate and score up a lot of points. But if Philly can keep it close, then I, I actually might trust them a little bit more in that situation. But... I'm willing to put the trust in the more, uh, you know, explosive offense uh, for this prediction for now. Sean, I understand that you like Cleveland and you want to believe, but like you want to, your pick of the week involves the New York Giants. I, I mean, okay, so a, a number, a number of things going on here. I mean, firstly, the the epicness uh, of this game in terms of if you want to understand the way 2020 is the weirdest year ever, this is a Sunday night primetime game that is not only including the Cleveland Browns, but may end up being a Colt McCoy revenge game. 
and oh. that it's the possibility we may be watching Colt McCoy play quarterback against the Cleveland Browns on NBC Sunday Night Football. I mean, if you went to do a coma eight years ago and just woke up, you'd be like, what the absolute fuck is just happening? The Ignore the pandemic. Um, the it, big thing happening is Cleveland <laughs> at the Giants with Colt McCoy. Truly, it's weird. It's weirder than a global pandemic, which has destroyed the world's economy and kept people in their homes for the past uh, eight months. Truly, it is weirder than that. Also, I mean, this is interesting because it's the the Cleveland. The narrative is here, right? So Cleveland need m- probably only one win, but maybe maybe they might need two, but certainly two would be enough, uh, and one might be sufficient. This is the beginning of the the New York stretch of the Cleveland schedule. They have the Giants this week. They have the Jets next week. They could be uh, in whatever eleven days' time, sitting uh, on an eleven and four record, and potentially knocking on the door of the Pittsburgh Steelers, who they play uh, in Week uh, Seventeen, with an outside chance of that being an AFC North decider. So I'm watching this for the history, for the the weirdness of the game, for the Cleveland narrative. Uh, and sure, I mean, the Giants have a decent defense, so it might be interesting to see what happens there. It won't be the best game in the world, but it certainly will be a game you will tell your grandchildren that you actually saw on Sunday Night Football. I, Giants, I don't know. Like, yeah. like, do you hate your grandkids? <laughs> <laughs> Sit around, let me tell you about week 15 back in 2020. <laughs> like, look, the Cleveland like, Browns Giants... took on the New York Giants on primetime, and it was massively underwhelming. Like the Giants lost this week because they Danny Dimes just kept fumbling the ball away. If they can return to you know one or, or less turnovers this week, then their defense is genuinely good enough to to make you know pretty good offenses struggle. So like I wouldn't dismiss it completely, but yeah, I think the Chubb Hunt uh, like freight train is really hard to beat. And even though the Giants have a good run defense, I expect that will do enough. But like, look, I wouldn't dismiss the Giants completely. They have surprised us with without a quarterback already this season. Maybe they can do it again in prime time. I suppose there's that thing that the NSEs is due to fires up another team winning a game they shouldn't and surprise us. So, uh, yeah, keep them in the mix because we're mostly going against the Washington football team this week. So, yeah, I can see it. I just, yeah, it's, a, it's just such a weird one to go for. Let's go, and, let's go to New York and it's watch Cleveland. It's not a great slate of games, let's be honest. <laughs> it's not. Uh, finally, Pittsburgh at Cincinnati. We have gone with Pittsburgh because Cincinnati don't have a quarterback. <sighs> Pittsburgh are not very good, but they are better than Cincinnati are at the moment. If Joe Burrow was playing, this would actually yeah, be If Joe Burrow was playing, I think the P- Cincy could take this, but yeah, it's uh, unfortunate. Oh, well. So, do you any crack with yourselves for the rest of the weekend, lads? I suppose like you said you're traveling back, aren't you, Fitz? Yep, making making the great journey home. Uh, obviously, only once this year due to the the pandemic. Trying, as I said, trying to avoid the uh, the crowds by breaking the rules like a badass. Yeah, nothing like announcing it on a on a podcast that you're about to break the law. <laughs> but yeah, no, I'm I'm still getting packed up, get ready to go, watch some football, chill out. Might go, might go to the cinema. You know, these kind of things that we can now do that we couldn't otherwise do. Pick up a couple of. Sp- like Dublin specific strains and then start spreading them around the country. Yeah, there's a, you don't want to get British COVID, do you? It's way worse <laughs> than the Irish COVID. So that, that's what I'm hearing on the news, you know? Is there, is there a major difference between our strains? I haven't actually been following uh, There is. There's well, a new, there's a new fast spreading strain in around London. So, and, so um, called fast spreading. It may just be because they've done fuck all to try and stop the spread of it. Like, <laughs> <laughs> 
It's like the Brits are like, oh, we have all this COVID. It's like, oh, it's, it's this new super spreader COVID. Yeah, that that's it. Not the fact that we kept London open uh, for like two weeks longer than it should have. Yeah, this, <laughs> this, this, this makes sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. But who uh, am I to doubt the epidemiological skills of Boris Johnson? <laughs> <laughs> Oh my! Yeah, I've been having fun. It's not fun. politics if you're bashing the Brits. That that's just good, 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 <laughs> I, good form. I've been having a lot of fun with that. With the um, the the you know, kind of like the we're that like kind of short little tail end now of the Brexit negotiations, and everyone's like, oh, it's a fishing stuff, and they were saying that like, well, it's because people want to come fishing in British waters, and we can't just let them come and fish in British waters. A guy two nights ago just got together. He got the GPS coordinates of every British ship. And then overlaid it onto a map of these are the British territorial waters. Like ninety percent of the ships are not sh- are not fishing in British waters, so it's very much not what they're trying to claim. But uh, that's good fun. That's how I'm entertaining myself in these tough times. Schadenfreude always works. Ah, yeah. No, I'm I'm just like I've just always been uh, mad about uh, fishing coordinates. That's a uh, that's really what it's about. <laughs> Nothing to do with the Brits at all. But yeah, no, uh, so that's good. So I suppose we'll wrap it up there. We'll take questions from people on the next episode. Maybe we'll try and get a couple of the playoff scenarios together. Yeah. I can imagine your dump off is only going to grow and grow, Fitz, as we don't have to care that much about more and more games. But uh, yeah, not getting enough fiber at the moment, you know. Yeah, yeah. but uh, I can't it wait good. till week. I can't wait till week seventeen when we just have one game and then the other fifteen games are in the dump off. <laughs> God, it'll be class. Like, uh, we don't even need to worry about our internet connections over Christmas. So, like, we just need, Fitz can just record that on his own. <laughs> but, yeah, no, that's perfect, guys. So, uh, I suppose for now, that's a uh, bye from myself, bye from Ronan, bye, bye from Sean. Uh, this has been all four quarters. Thanks for listening. We'll chat to you next week.